0: Welcome to the HR Chat Podcast, bringing the best of the HR and talent communities to you. Welcome to another episode of the HR Chat Show. I'm your host today, Bill Bannum, And in this episode, we're going to hear from the amazing Mary Faulkner, Senior Advisor and Principal at IA. Mary is a talent strategist and business leader with almost 15 years experience. In helping organizations achieve their goals. After working on the operations side of startups and small companies, she is a senior advisor with IAHR, a consulting firm that helps guide organizations through business transformation. In addition to Mary's work within companies, she authors a leadership development blog called Surviving, Surviving Leadership, blog to continue the dialogue around the challenges of leadership, both being a leader and being led. Mary is a regular contributor to hrexaminer.com and ere.net and also also written for Sherm, Recruiting Daily, and other publications. She hasn't yet written for the HR Gazette, but we can talk to her about this today, I'm sure, as principal of IA, uh, Mary Champions Complex HR Transformational Initiatives, providing the business case, finding best fit providers and supports businesses through every step of the transformational life cycle. Mary was also a speaker at the first Innovate Work Rockies event, where she presented a session called Office Space Evolution, The Changing Nature of the Manager-Employee Dynamic.
1: This podcast episode is sponsored by Virgin Pulse, the number one global employee well-being solution provider, supporting seven and a half million members in 20 languages across 190 countries. Virgin Pulse offers solutions that deliver on their home
0: base for Health vision of simplifying and unifying other point products into a better together ecosystem and transform the mental,
1: physical, financial, social, community, and emotional health
0: of organizations and their people. You can learn more at virginpulse.com. Mary, it's my pleasure to welcome you to the show today.
1: Hi, Bill. Thank you so much for having me. I'm really excited to be here.
0: So beyond my reintroduction there, please tell our listeners a bit more about yourself, your career history, and your relatively new role, I believe, as principal at IA.
1: Yeah, so um, I always like to joke that I kind of forest-gumped my way through my uh, evolution of my HR career. I was initially going to be... many things. I was going to be a scientist. I was going to be really wanted to be a stunt car driver, but uh, I ended up uh, getting into instructional design and was in learning and organizational development at the very beginning and just sort of throughout my career continued to find organizations that were struggling to reinvent themselves, that wanted to do something new, wanted to either create a brand new department or just try to reset the way that they were doing work at the time. So I've always worked in some sort of HR since I got into instructional design Um, and now with my role at IA, I've been with the organization almost two years now Um, and I have an opportunity to do what I always did in-house in HR with a number of different organizations, helping companies go through uh, transformations, whether it's helping them map new strategic roadmaps to see where they want to go in the future. Uh, Helping them with selections and provider engagement, or um, just that continuous improvement mindset. So, really love what I get to do on a daily basis, and so I love to talk about it too.
0: (laughs) Wonderful, thank you very much. And listeners, um, I actually interviewed uh, one of Mary's colleagues, Mark Stelzner, not not that long ago. So, if uh, if you want to learn even more about IA following this interview, check out episode one five eight from. from March 2020 Wow, the world was a different place back then um, and you can you can learn more about IA and more about mark stelsner um anyway following on Mary um tell me tell me a little bit more about the the, the session that you presented at innovate work Rockies recently so it was it was, it was called uh, office space evolution the changing nature of the manager employee dynamic for anyone who weren't able to attend live um tell them a bit about what the session Uh, try to tackle and what were some of the learning outcomes
1: yeah so really what it's looking at is as work has changed and as the evolution of the way that work is done and the acceleration of embracing remote work and more um, technology and rethinking the way that work is getting done that manager employee dynamic has to shift as well there's no longer that immediate proximity that uh, some organizations were used to. And I really want to make it clear, this this happened, I mean, people have been working remotely for a long time. So it's not like it's out of the blue, oh my gosh, what do we do? But there are quite a few organizations that never even considered the possibility of remote work, whether it was um, manufacturing or government work or whatever it might be. This was a big shift for a lot of organizations. And some managers just don't necessarily know how to manage an employee. They can't see every day or or check in with face to face in some way. So what I really wanted to focus on is is the idea around how both employees and managers can work together to shift that dynamic. Whether it's setting very clear expectations both ways, managers that set very clear expectations for their employees, but employees need to be very vocal about what they need from their managers in this new way of working. Um, There's the idea of proximity and what does that now look like? It's no longer a physical walk-by that a manager can do, but it could potentially be a sudden, I need to call you, let's talk, or the fact that there is a lot of Zoom fatigue or virtual call fatigue because everything has to be Scheduled now, it's no longer an organic interaction. So it's it's really changing the way that people address uh, this their their day to day interaction. And the other piece of it is really that true relationship building. Managers and employees have been given more permission to be a little bit more human at work. Meaning, there's there's so much going on in the world in terms of juggling personal issues and children, if you have them, or or parents that are needing extra care. And being at home and working from home, you don't always have that natural barrier. So what managers and employees are doing now is being more open about what their needs might be. managers have kids too, managers have parents too. So it's really about figuring out what works, what work needs to get done, Can you be a little bit more flexible? They have to up the ability to communicate um, and also care about each other a little bit more. You know, understanding that there are going to be some days that employees are really, really stressed and are trying to figure out how they're going to navigate the seven different Zoom calls that their kid has to have in order to have a day of school. So if managers and employees can work that out together and just make sure the work gets done, in a way that's that's beneficial for everyone, it's really going to make a big difference. So that's it was really talking about how both sides work together to make this new way of work work for everyone.
0: What a year it's been, mary. Um, <laughs> indeed from from the conversations that that you've had with folk that uh, i a advise or uh, general peers that you' that you've spoken with do, do you think do you think this new normal? Uh, the way that people are working now do you think it's it's here to stay or do you think actually a lot of a lot of leaders a lot of managers can't wait until employees can physically get back to the office so that they can maybe monitor their employees a bit better um, despite all those wonderful conversations about more trust in in the workplace, <laughs> do, 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 do you think this is here to say? do, do you think we'll see uh, a, a particular percentage increase on 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 the foreseeable for the foreseeable future in terms of remote workers, or actually, once we've got a vaccine, once we've got through this horrible time in everybody's lives, it kind of will go back to how it was before.
1: I think there will be it'll it'll be interesting. I think there is a a percentage of employees and managers who prefer to be in an office, whether it's they just know their own working style or they need that separation from their personal life. They want to escape the kids (laughs) or potentially the spouse um, to be able to get their work done in in a separate environment. There will be a percentage of that that continues. I'm sad to say I think there will be some businesses that just don't trust that their employees can do their work remotely despite what the data might be telling them right now that it's working for the most part. So what I, what I anticipate happening is more of a, it'll be more of a hybrid model. They'll, it would be more about, about um, a choice. So it could be that when, when the offices are able to open back up or, or even on a, just a limited basis, it will now be your role could be remote, tell us what you want to do, or it might be a hybrid where you work remote three days and in the office two days so that you can get some of that interaction with your team, whatever it might be. So I'm, I'm hoping that the employees who have enjoyed the remote work and have proven that it can work and the recruiters that are thrilled with the um, expanded talent pool that they can now recruit from because it's remote work, they'll have a voice and be able to say this is what works for us and businesses will adapt. And I mean, you're seeing this with so many of the larger um, companies out there. They're downsizing. They're canceling contracts on massive office space. They're they're not building new business new buildings. So I think businesses sees it, see it as a way to save some overhead as well.
0: Okay, and and, and right now for for those uh, for those companies who are uh, trying to repulse on their employees are getting up to when they're working in their pajamas and so on um what, what are what are the technologies that, that they're using to to monitor their employees this is a this is a big question that um uh, our, our listeners often want to learn about you know how how are they being monitored when they're working remotely um how pervasive is that um it's often you know what, what what's what's okay and, and uh, what, what, what's too much I'd, I'd love to hear from you what, what, what you're seeing in terms of effective ways to, to monitor and, and also what you've seen in terms of how, how pervasive how how, how how much monitoring is going on
1: well I'm pleased to say that I have not spoken with any organization that has gone to the level of keyboard counting and keeping your webcam on to make sure that your employees at a desk working. Those are out there. You see articles about it. So there's there's bound to be some that are out there. Um, I think in general, it's just good management. It might be, you know, having regular check-ins with your employees. Um, the hardest ones, honestly, are the hourly employees because you want to make sure that they're getting paid for the work that they're doing, that they're following in the United States the FLSA rules around you get breaks, you get a lunch, you get paid overtime if you are a non-exempt employee. That can be trickier. So what that really requires, I mean, you can use technology if you really want to. I mean, in, in call centers, so representatives, they have what, they're, what are called aux codes, and they go in and they put themselves on a call or they put themselves on a break or they put themselves on administrative work or whatever it might be. You can still use those systems. Maybe it's uh, slightly changed in how you um, have them code their time, but you can still use those to see how it's going. So that type of role is a little bit easier to monitor. For exempt employees, I'm kind of like, if they get their job done, what does it matter? If, if they're doing their work for three hours in the morning and then they're dealing with online classes and then they work for another five hours in the evening after the kid's school is done, and the work is getting done and, and it's not overly burdensome, I don't know that you need to monitor your exempt employees. What I'm typically seeing is, um, depending on what uh, location a company might be in, some are offering office hours. So if, if people feel they need to come into the office for uh, face-to-face and to get some work done, they're allowing it, they're allowing teams to come together. But really it's just been increased communication, increased video phone calls, and just checking in and all, um, on, online. The challenge that employees are facing right now though is that you know the workday is extending. Um, Microsoft just released that study that showed that people are on average, I think it's, it's 45 minutes or an hour and a half, I can't remember the exact number, somebody will look it up, um, but showing that the workday has extended and maybe the hours of work aren't necessarily the same, but the hours that you're logged in and online and available have expanded. So there's a challenge to really set those boundaries for both um, employees and managers alike.
0: And as companies look to 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 rehire to to bolster um, depleted workforces in, in, in many cases, Mary, um, give our listeners a bit of an insight into the rise of, of the gig economy. So I've been I've been interviewing a lot of people recently, and they've been telling me, you know what? As, as companies bring back people, they're, they're not going to be necessarily employees as, as we knew them before. They're, they're going to be they're going to be temporary workers. They're going to be contract workers, but Perhaps there'll be contract workers with a whole bunch of uh, benefits that they wouldn't usually get in in, in a contract environment. What what does that look like as, as we plan out the rest of 2020 and go into 2021?
1: Yeah, I think you are starting to see more of that liquid workforce mentality of how do we build dynamic teams versus having a person in one role for 15 years um, it's, it, it, we will be moving more towards a skill-based economy, meaning I need somebody who can do X, Y, and Z for this project for this finite amount of time. Whether that happens in a true gig economy with contractors or whether it happens with within an organization that they figure out a way to kind of create that talent pool, that will be interesting to see. Um, I think sometimes there are some organizations who are trying it, but it usually comes from operations and not HR. Um, so I would really in, encourage HR to be part of that conversation. The challenge is exactly what you're facing, what you're talking about though, is that independent contractors need benefits. Independent contractors, need a way to be able to access, whether it's healthcare, retirement savings, whatever it might need, that's why you tend to see the rise of the agencies because they offer that sort of scale model of being able to offer those opportunities for coverage to the independent contractor. So even though you're kind of a contractor with a company, you're still working for an agency. So I'm not sure how much it's gonna change this year. in terms of being sure that people will have the coverage that they need i think too many people tend to stick with an organization because of benefits as opposed to of the work or their ability to use their skill sets so until we see a change in how um some of that safety net is available to contractors i think it will be in the company's best interest to hire some contractors from a cost perspective i'm not sure that everybody who works as a contractor would want to, unless they could get some sort of security like that. Okay,
0: and I guess part of the rationale for for looking to temporary, work is to contract employees, uh, for for the businesses, for the leaders, is uh, future proofing against you know, a potential another wave in the future of COVID or something similar. But also, mm-hmm. also you know we're in a situation now where lots of lots of functions are being augmented. Rise right. of AI and, and machine learning. So let's just talk about that for a minute. For a minute, Mary, um, th- tell me tell me about how the HR function will continue to be augmented by AI over the coming months and years, and and how that process is being accelerated, perhaps as a result of COVID. Uh,
1: so I think um, AI will be continu- will continue to grow in terms of things that are highly tra- transactional, easily automated. So whether it's um, you see the rise of chatbots for support in, a, in benefits administration or you have questions um, about your um, employee relations or whatever it might be. Some of that will be automated. Transactions could be automated. More self-service will be introduced into the workforce and continue to do that. And it will, will be taken out of the hands of the HR professionals to have to do all the data entry, put that in the role of the employee. The challenge with AI is, not everybody really understands what AI is and how it can be worked. Some of AI is, is machine learning. Some of AI is just good statistics. Um, some of it is just bad SEO searches on keywords. So you have to be really careful about what you look at from an AI perspective. The HR organizations that will do it right are ones that do what they can to use it to automate with the least amount of bias. AI still has bias. There, it's been touted as this solution to remove unconscious bias out of every process, but it's still created by human beings. And human beings are programming the logarithms or algorithms. And so it's when, A, when HR starts to embrace some of that augmentation and whether it's using, it's identifying those skills that the AI can use, whether it's reviewing qualifications or it's reviewing... Um, dependent verification or background checks or something like that, whatever it could be that could be automated, that sounds great. But at some point, a human being will still need to look at it and validate that it's it's good and it's right and it's it's not hurting too many people. And, and so it's it's accepting that there are still some challenges associated with implementing AI, but moving more in that direction and embracing the use of technology to make your job better make your job easier and free you up to do some things that are a little bit more strategic, higher level in the support that you can give the business and help moving the business forward as opposed to only doing transactional work.
0: Mary, you don't believe this, but we're almost out of time for this particular. Oh my goodness. Uh, So um, two last questions for you. Um, First one, uh, in 60 seconds or less, what is the one big skill that you think leaders need to have right now to help their teams? during during this time?
1: I, I think it's flexibility that that ability to just recognize what's happening, change on a dime, understand that everything is not going to be perfect, that you're going to need to be able to change your ideas and and kind of let go of the past and just and 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 be let go of some of the control, too. So that that flexibility piece is a big one.
0: I think that was uh, about thirty-five seconds. Nice work, Mary. Right, ah. <laughs> which frees up twenty-five seconds extra for my last question for you, which is: How can our listeners connect with you, and how can they learn more about IA?
1: Absolutely. So, um, I am on Twitter, and um, my Twitter handle—I never remember my Twitter handle. I'm awful. Is M Faulkner forty-three, um, and you can find me on LinkedIn. Um, and you can find us at uh, mfaulkner at ia-hr.com. I would love to connect with you, so please do reach out to me and continue the conversation.
0: Well, I have to ask, what, what's the 43 for?
1: You know, there was just a lot of M. Faulkner, so I picked one that was as far <laughs> up as I thought I was going to get. I was shocked at how many there were. <laughs> <laughs>
0: Okay, fair enough. Uh, Well, that leaves me to say for today, Mary Falkner, thank you so much for joining me on this episode of the HR Chat. Thank you, Bill. And listeners, until next time, happy working and stay safe. Thank you for listening to the HR Chat Podcast, brought to you by the HR Gazette.